it, it's not about budget. It's also about having 70 different eyes, ideas, inspirations, passions present, which means that, that you cover, don't mean cover more bases in a kind of slightly dull way, but there's nuggets of things that you just wouldn't expect because there's that many people buying and presenting their wares there. Thank you for joining me, Carol Annett, for House Guest with Country and Townhouse magazine, where I chat to those clever creatives behind the furniture, wallpaper and fabrics we covered for our own home, as well as architects, interior designers and occasionally a celebrity who's dipping their toe into the world of interior design. This time, I'm delighted to say we're sponsored by Juravit Bathrooms. Upgrade your everyday for bathroom inspiration, visit www.juravit.co.uk. My house guest today is Toby Lawford of Lawford Antiques. In 2003, Toby set out to create a new breed of antiques shop blowing the cobwebs away from traditional selling techniques. He has a Tetbury showroom and now two enormous antique hangers. Welcome, Toby. Thank you very much for joining me. Morning. Absolute pleasure. So tell me how you first got into the antiques world. OK, I, um, I was actually dad at home at the time. My um, ex-wife had gone back to work for the BBC and I had the odd weekend working for a very old friend who ran an antique transport business um, and so my weekends off uh, of childcare were uh, humping huge lumps of furniture into the Battersea or, or Olympia Fine Art Fairs um, and I got to speak grown up for a weekend and have a few beers with the boys put a few quid in my pocket and it was speaking adult was the most important part actually <laughs> and um, after a little while I thought god this is easy this is you know this is nice life and I'd never been particularly good with bosses I'd had periods in sales and public relations and actually with the BBC and so when my son was born I decided that this is what I should do and um, so I did a little bit of work for uh, Frankie carried on kind of doing some driving and some collecting for, for him who was the transporter and um, took a little room in a shop in Tetbury and said hey here I come my father had been an antiquarian book dealer, so I think there was a kind of element of it that was in my blood. And certainly the no boss was in my blood. So, I mean, you are now very, very well known within the interiors world and you work closely with a lot of interior designers. I know that you've said previously that one of the reasons that the business did well is that you were kind of very early to embrace an online platform and a website and those kind of things. And now, now you have moved on, you have your own furniture collection, Lawford's Contemporary. And I was fascinated to read that that was started through Marco Pierre White, who of course is a chef. So <laughs> yeah. on earth did, how come you yeah. were inspired by a chef to create your own, um, furniture collection well Marco had been a, had been a great customer for many many years and he collected Howard and Sons upholstery from us so originals and at one point he called me over to his hotel which is just just outside the bath um, and he wanted me to meet a chap that he was uh, bought the most spectacular site in Singapore for a new hotel and so we sat down and had a chat and he said I really want to do it how Rudlow is but I can't do it in period Howard's because we're going to need about 70 pieces and I said no you can't and it would take us 10-15 years to find those pieces anyway. And, and Howard is a is it quite defined with a straight back? Um, How would you describe a Howard? 
Howard is is kind of, I guess, quintessential English country house upholstery. It's the Rolls-Royce manufacturer, kind of heyday, late 19th, early 20th century. There's still a company called Howard Chairs. It's not the same family, but it's kind of the same business. And it kind of defined comfortable upholstery and modernized how it was manufactured in, in its early days. Um, so there are a number of shapes that, that are associated with Howard. I think, you know, there's one particular, which is, uh, which kind of has a low swept arm, big, deep, squishy cushions and, and a sewn in du duvet kind of cushion on the back. That is quintessentially the Howard sofa, if you like, but they, they've made a huge raft of designs um, and they made bespoke. So they really were, they, you know, they were just a really wonderful bespoke manufacturer of, of furniture and, and, and good upholstery. And, um, that's, and that's what he was after. That's what he was after. And it, I mean, it's defined, it's, it's, it's defied logic for its value. It continues to go up and up, which is fantastic if you collect it. But again, it, it's not, it's not that common. And one of the key things that we had done a number of times before Marco inquired was somebody would say, I love this sofa, but you know, it's 24,000 pounds and I need it to be six inches wider. So I think a, a huge number of antique dealers get into this where you service your clients as best you possibly can. And if that means either adapting or making something where they need to have a pair and you only have a single, then you go ahead and do that. Marco, uh, on the other hand, with this lovely Singaporean, effectively put a check on the table and said, please, can you make me 76 pieces? Um, <laughs> to which I said, of course I can. <laughs> And that allowed us to bring everything in-house. So where we'd worked with different artisans, craftspeople before, and we'd outsourced it, it was with it, without having to make a decision um, or, or, or look at investment plan. We knew what it, what it took to make. We knew um, we'd already looked at the possibilities. So it was very simply a, a big tick in the investment box to, um, to move ahead. So that was, uh, that was Marco's involvement and uh, still remains a fantastic friend and a, and a really great client. So tell me, um, let's get more into the the kind of nitty gritty of the antiques world and who, because it's definitely had a sort of resurgence lately with um, with its sort of sustainability aspect. And I know that that's something that's very close to your heart. But are you finding that you're getting young people through the doors as well? Is it is it changing? We're definitely seeing more young people. I think I'm not sure if if antiques really get the kudos in terms of sustainability that I think they should do. And I think a lot of the market's resurgence over the last 18 months has got more to do with a, a kind of typical response to times being tougher um, or being stuck at home. Or, you know, I think if you think about that classic 1980s, one huge room, one huge television and a giant white sofa, it's about as soulless and, and um, not a nice place to, be, place to be if you're feeling like you want to nest it's as kind of ostentatious as it gets. And I think we, we're into a really lovely period where people want to fill their interiors and make them feel like home, make them feel warm, cozy, responsive to their needs. And I think antiques sit really beautifully in that as being something that is imbued with character so much of the time. And, and that's, you know, and that goes from, from the finest down to the most repurposed. I think you just bring a bit of history and a bit of, you know, whether that history is just somebody else's life in its life, it does something to interior that softens it. And so I think right now that is right at the forefront of why we're seeing the market being as strong as it is. And I think 
very much that it's a shame that antique dealers can't get together more and sing from the treetops about the fact that this is just ultimate recycling. Yeah. You know, if, if it, the, the, the most, you know, with all the work that we've done on manufacturing, product lifespan is absolutely critical. And when we're looking at a table that's done, you know, I'm sat looking at a table that's 220 years old, its impact is negligible. If we could make furniture now that was lasting 220 years, uh, impact on the planet would, would very rapidly shrink. Mm. So it, it's, um, there's an awful lot to talk about that isn't really being sung from the treetops, which I think is a great shame. And um, you've also taken a step further with your vintage cloth collection, which is all fabrics that are hand dyed using natural materials, very yeah. small batches. I mean, they're, they're just beautiful. I love the, the names as well. Buttermilk, Thank nutmeg, you. indigo. Thank you. <laughs> That's a fun bit. That's a fun bit. <laughs> yeah. So how, how, how did that come about? Funny, interesting enough, I was just asked a question um, as to why, um, or it, you know, is, is fabric the starting place? And it actually fabric for us has kind of been the last place that we've addressed in terms of supply chain sustainability uh, across the whole product. Because so often we are, our core client base is, is interior design and they specify the fabrics for us. But what we find we are doing is then we wanting to be singing from the treetops about you know, UK FSC timber, about uh, product lifespan, about buying, you know, UK as locally cast casters as we can, European down, blah, blah, blah. And then we get to a point where we put a fabric on it and we have to cover the fabric in, in a fire retardant chemical and, and you make all these choices and you think, ah. So what we really wanted to do was an offer a choice that was as sustainable as it could be, um, which again, so to look to recycling, and there are, there are a few absolutely fantastic manufacturers and there's some amazing RPET fabric and recycled materials and some really interesting uh, plant-based materials coming out. But we wanted something that was accessible, um, I think, and that people were used to seeing and feeling um, in order to try to drive uh, an interest in how we could make the final covering on their sofa so um, it's salvaged French, English, and Irish hemp and linen dyed yes. by hand. So yes, it, and it's European. Old, so it's yeah. old um, hemp's and linens that you're repurposing. Absolutely. Yes, so it's it tends it's eighty percent of it is 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 um, is old sheets, classic French, English sheets that have been stacked in in small antique shops for donkeys' years, and uh, people throw over for curtains instead of. Uh, you know, and it's they're sat there doing nothing. They've been uh, they've been grown, they've been manufactured, and so to actually convert them into something that um, has has almost almost no environmental impact. I mean, we can't say none because obviously they're an awful lot of them are bought in France. They've got to be shipped back here, um, and there is a process in terms of uh, in, in terms of the dyeing. Even though they're natural materials, they still have to be um, sourced. But but we don't think we could you could get a much lower footprint yeah. than, than, than they offer. And I wanted to go back and talk a little bit about your the collaborations with interior designers. Mm. What were you doing with with Bunny and Emma? They, um, well, we, I mean, we've again known each other as kind of been great, great customers for a long time. Um, and we were talking about upholstery and that actually kind of went back to, to thinking about sustainability and, and what had been going on in 
various of the trade fairs that that, that sustainability was 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 making a, a kind of rearing its head at last, which I think is fantastic. And we got talking about doing a range for them. I, I, actually, it was you know one of those things. I think probably over a glass of wine where you 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 um, you end up chatting and chatting and and uh, and say, well, let, let, why don't we you know let's make let's make a range for you. And that was fantastic fun. It was brilliant challenge. One of their pieces in particular was something that I'd always wanted to do and hadn't done because it didn't necessarily fit with the traditional Lawford's aesthetic. But it was that, you know, the kind of classic continental Belgian, very square sofa, um, but made to sit like a like a traditional Howard. And it, it's, it is one of the most comfortable sofas you'll ever sit on. And yet it still has that incredibly unfussy, total structure about it which which wouldn't would you make you think that you were going to sit on it and go oh god no so it it was a really super collaboration it it was a huge lesson in how long it takes to get things really really right when you don't have a for us we tend to buy a really beautiful antique and copy it ground up it's a different league um and also working with two incredibly focused and brilliant designers i have to say um who compromise on nothing was um was fantastic because we've ended up with some amazing products um that have sold and been been very well and and kind of been taken to the market have been extremely successful so um and hats off to bunny and emma they are an absolute tour de force brilliant to work with and as i say compromising are they sold through turner pocock or through lawford's through um through both um they specify they specify them if they get an inquiry outside of one of their own jobs they just put them through to us so we handle the sales and it's on um on the website get the get the plug in as the turner pocock collective collection yeah and uh, actually your website's fantastic because you've got all sorts of things expert sort of tips on lighting and some brilliant <laughs> recipes i've been my mouth's been watering <laughs> <laughs> thank you that's been this last the last kind of post 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 that first lockdown was how do we reach out to our clients and be a little bit more interesting and just a bit different and we realized that we've got some absolutely amazing clients um doing things that I'm, you know, our clients would like to hear about, you know, whether that's going to eat at the Ox Barn or, you know, or, or simply cooking Charlie Hibbert's recipes. It's really lovely to start you, putting you together. Talk, you're talking about time at Southrop. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, ha- you have to forget we're not, we're not all in your, much as we'd love to be, we're not all um, Gloucestershire uh, in your, in your area. Although it's like, it's yeah. time I came down and, and had a look, had a look round. Tell me also about the, um the the hangers is it you have um vignettes do you little kind of ideas of how to put the furniture together or is that just on the website kind of no so that's i mean we do the website's very much driven we have a stylist um who um chooses from across the range of the shop and the hangers and in order to give us different ideas different ways to shop different inspirations and I think people shop very, very visually. It's one of the crucial things that we wanted to do back in 2003 was make sure that everything was, you know, and we're not the first one to do that, let's be honest, but but um, that presentation is critical. Um, but the hangers are, to those of you that know the kind of Battersea Decorative Antiques Fair, um, the hangers are a bit like Battersea, but 365 days a year. Um, so we show for 73, I think now, 73 different antique dealers from across the UK and Europe. And each one of them has a booth or a stand. Um, some of them are amazing at display, um, and some of them are less amazing at display. And uh, <laughs> that would be me. 
um, but I think that's part of that's part of the charm of the hangers is it, it's um, we always wanted uh, a sense of magic. So you drive across a really ghastly, rutted old airfield track. Um, you arrive at the first hangar with this foam covered, grey painted monstrosity of a building. Um, but actually, when you walk through the door, hopefully your jaw drops and you think, oh, my God. Um, and we do have always wanted. And I think that that uh, that Aladdin's cave moment is kind of part of what makes it fun, special, interesting, engaging. Um, so that's so the hangers have been an, an incredible engine for us and a really interesting way in which um, we can offer to a client so much more than I think it, it's not about budget it's also about having 70 different eyes ideas inspirations passions present which means that that you cover I, I don't mean cover more bases in a kind of slightly dull way but there's nuggets of things that you just wouldn't expect because there's that many people buying and present presenting their wares there and so I think it has become a really lovely way to source for interior designers, particularly at the beginning or the end of a project where you want a couple of key pieces to start it and it's a nice day out for the client, or you need to have the choice of, you know, about 13,000 items to fill in the difficult spots at the end of the job. Um, and what, but Toby, what really floats your boat these days? I mean, now that you're sort of, it, you know, you're not sticking the stuff in the back of your car and driving around. I mean, do you miss that, or is it, or is it kind of stuff that every day when you walk around and you kind of see something? Is it, is it still? Um, what is it that excites you? I am. Next chapters always excite me. I think that's one of. Um, I've actually put a lot of the antiques company into the hands of a management team now because I'm very good at dragging it by the scruff of the neck to do the next exciting thing that I feel like doing. And that's not necessarily in the best interest of the business. There are all sorts of next chapters that are on my back burner, but it's, on, very, it's, I think it's very healthy that, that I now have to ask a management team if I'm allowed to do them. Um, <laughs> so um, I, there, there's various things. We've been very fortunate. We've managed to get um, permission on a half of the Tetris shop to convert that to a restaurant. So and in a nutshell, the vision for the Tetri shop is that I, I I feel how we shop has changed. And, and the last 18 months, you know, it's kind of banging on about things we already know now. But, but the market has shifted forward in how we shop by probably a decade. And the need to be a, an experience um, to actually make people come to touch the brand physically, I think, is, is more and more critical. So we're looking at how we can incorporate into the one building and it, we're very lucky it's a fantastic space and with a huge gravel forecourt so we can offer a restaurant an antique shop an art gallery an education space where we can do block printing courses or art history lectures or whatever it is floristry uh at the you same who, time you know who you've got to ask don't you yeah <laughs> <Marco>. <laughs> but marker <laughs> yeah no 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 i love him no <laughs> and hey no and he has i mean we have talked about it on, on numerous occasions over over the years it's 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 a i think what we have to you know again it, it, to me it's about trying to take what we do make it relevant to more people um get more people interested and that doesn't necessarily have to mean they need to walk away with 
a very expensive chest of drawers. I think it needs, it would be nice to be more relevant um, to a greater number of people who enjoy looking. And every antique dealer will, will tell you stories of, of how they've been driven mad by very, very lovely people coming in and telling you how their grandmother had one of those. And if only they'd known, they wouldn't have thrown it on the skip. And they'll usually tell you those stories, rolling their eyes and, and, and with how much time they wasted. But actually, there's a whole lovely raft of interest in antiques, in furniture, in interior design. It's where we spend so much of our time. And I think trying to share that with more people and make that more accessible. Um, we can never make a, a period Louis XV commode more accessible, but we can make the conversations around it, the experience of it, um, a book about it or you know, a cup of tea and, a, and an interesting conversation. It can, it just makes, I think it makes for a 21st century business, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely fascinating. And I have just moved house, hence why I'm talking to you with my rather lovely sort of 70s orange sauna ceiling. So I will be heading down in your direction. If you could get the cafe organized so that I could have a flat white while I'm there, please, that would be fantastic. And I look forward to um, nosing around and, and coming home with some very special, very sustainable pieces that have a story. Um, Toby, thanks so much. It's been really lovely to chat. Absolute pleasure, Carol. Lovely. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening to House Guests from Country and Townhouse magazine with me, Carol Annett. You can follow me on Instagram at Carol W. Annett. And keep up to date on all the podcast news and show notes online at countryandtownhouse.co.uk slash podcast.